Hi and welcome to the podcast You're Having Tea with Alice. This week's episode is a solo podcast. It's me talking to a wall, which is to say talking to you because Happy New Year. I wanted to start off the year just talking to you directly and uh, this year um, there's a whole bunch of exciting Tea with Alice guests lined up. I'm very much looking forward to the conversations we have uh, lined up for you, but I just wanted to say this year I'm going to try and be much more regular with Tea with Alice. I let it slip a little last year because of the last post, which was my daily satirical news podcast set in an alternate dimension. That podcast uh, is now uh, gone monthly, which is a, a, just an embarrassment of riches time-wise, and I will be launching a new spin-off from The Bugle as well as that. But that is all of that put together, as well as writing for the news quiz, is still way less work than a daily satirical news podcast set in an alternate dimension. So uh, I, that said, I am I'm just pleased to have the time and the energy to to put towards this project because this is the project that I did when nobody was listening to it. This is Tea with Alice was the thing that I wanted to do, and it's not comedy. It's just me. It's the thing that I'm interested in, which is talking to people uh, about things that are difficult to talk about, <laughs> you know? Really, I think that's one of the things that is missing. So many conversations more and more devolving into uh, bad faith conversations or people that you have arguments with, you see them increasingly, particularly online, obviously, but you see them increasingly using you as a proxy for a different discussion if you know what I mean you'll say something and they will take it as though you meant a different point to which they have an argument uh, that addresses it's it's a very odd thing people are fighting shadow puppets that of their own construction rather than the person in the room with them and maybe that's because there aren't so many people in rooms with other people uh, these days but I do think it's important and I have that's been the driving force behind Tea with Alice. I think it's important to have these conversations, to show them being had. So much of life is like a, a condensed format nowadays. So much of it is a, what do they call them, Cliff's Notes, uh, bullet points of, of these things. We, we learn about the results of stuff or the outcomes or we don't see the process unless it's been edited down for people's um, swifter consumption. Which brings me to one of the things that I wanted to sort of ramble about today, uh, which was I, I read this article. Uh, so I, I, I've been, you know, okay. So I'll start with the beginning of this thought chain was watching The Social Dilemma on, on Facebook, which is a sort of half documentary, half soap opera about how bad phones are, uh, about how you have these these supercomputers pointed at your brain with social media and with the algorithms online that are geared towards programming you. As you program, we program them, they program us uh, to pay more attention and to direct our attention in certain ways. Fine, sure, we all know that. That's a thing we are all conscious of, aware of, uh, to a greater or lesser degree. The thing that I read, uh, and I, I put it up on my Twitter, was an article about Uber's ad spend. Uber being, uh, you know, what tech giant, one of these big players in the technology game. Uh, sorry if you can hear the crickets in the background there. Uh, but basically, basically, you can go read the article if you want, but it, 
they found out that a lot of the advertising money they were spending was ineffective. Many of the clicks that they're uh, that they were being reported were either trolls or they were not real, and they eighty uh, percent of the money they were spending on advertising was ineffective. Well, which means, if that is true, if that is more or less true, if that is even vaguely true for all of the other companies that are spending that kind of money, every compromise we have made to human dignity on the internet has been in the name of getting eyes on ads. Every optimization of polarizing <laughs> tweets coming to the top of your timeline of rage causing more causing more engagement of the kinds of things you see and the way they're meant to make you feel and the way they do make you behave, all of those things are done in the name of optimizing ad spend, which if this if this article is true, doesn't even work most of the time. And that is so heartbreaking. I, I read that I don't know what to do with that information. I mean, obviously, I need to do more research into it. But if that's even a little bit true, that's a truly, truly heartbreaking thing. I mean, it was heartbreaking enough to sell our civil society down the river for economic gain. We've been doing that for a long time. But to sell civil society down the river for not even economic gain, uh, that would be... Something else entirely. <laughs> anyway, that's the thing I've been thinking about. I will have to fact check myself on that. But it, it makes you think, how effective would it have to be to be worth what we have programmed large segments of society to be now? Especially in light of what's happening in America. That is a direct result of social media. Not the internet specifically social media and specifically social media algorithms that have made it a Rube Goldberg machine of links that link to other links and draw people into chains of unreason. These people who are brandishing their false evidence, you know, pieces of paper with eagles drawn on them saying whatever they feel like saying as though they were Scooby-Doo the, the gang in Scooby-Doo ripping the mask off a baddie, but it's it's actually like that scene at the end of one of the Mr. Bean movies where he tries to rip the face off the lady who's pretending to be queen, the queen and it turns out to be the queen. It's like trying to pull the beard off a Santa Claus at the mall and realising it's just an old man with a real beard. Like there's something so grotesque about this particular feature of modern society and it's interesting to watch those companies now now that it's happening in their own backyard really because it's been happening in other countries but now that they see now they're you know pulling people off twitter and they're shutting down parlor and all of that stuff it's uh i don't know what to think about it really because it brings us into free speech and the conversation about free speech, which I've, I think I've told you my 
stance? Can it be a set of stance to be a stance on free speech? Uh, this idea that I think free speech is important and more important than people's feelings, certainly, a lot of the time. But my idea of free speech is predicated on, you know, the soapbox, the arena where everyone has a chance to stand up and speak to the same audience. That's what free speech is for. It's for the debate of ideas that you have one person and it's a civilised debate and they put their point and then the next person gets up. They're not shouted down. The next person gets up and says their piece and then the next person gets up and says their piece. That is the ideal, I guess, forum for free speech, which is that, you know, everyone gets up and they say their piece and no one is arrested and no one is harmed. And we as a species manage to make it so that rather than killing each other when you had a disagreement, more and more people would talk it out. And that is based on this principle of free speech, this high and noble idea of what free speech can be. But with the way things are now, nobody is speaking to the same crowd. No one is having an even equal time to speak. No, It's not as though everyone has an equal platform or an equal time allotted. It becomes anarchy. It becomes... I mean, people talk about libertarianism often in the same breath as free speech. And I, I notice many people, not all, but many people who are libertarians or anarchists or affiliated with those ideas are, <laughs> I'm not going to say young men, but I will say strong people who can't really imagine needing other people. Because what actually happens in anarchy, what actually happens in you know, no rules zones, is that the strongest rise to the top and create monopolies. That's how it works. That's how people work. So many of, of so many ideological discussions seem to circulate around how people might work or how people should work. We have to, we have to think about how people really do work. When when if if we're trying to talk them into anything or out of anything, I see a lot of impatience online with stupid people, uh, conspiracists, uh, political enemies, impatience that they are too stupid to realise the truth. But for the most part, that's a matter of ingredients not necessarily of character. Maybe it is of character to a certain degree, but then you have to figure out what incentivizes a character like that. You, you can't afford to lose people. We can't afford to lose people out of our society. We have to carry people and we have to figure out ways to make people work together. This is, uh, this is what happens when I talk to a wall. I just ramble from one idea to the next. Uh, I will not keep you too much longer. We will return uh, to normal service, ASAP, uh, or as I heard a lady once say, as ASAP as possible, which I loved because it was a little framing device. Uh, I, uh, next time I do a solo podcast, I will bring notes, I think, and tell you about all the things that I've been actually thinking about. 
I really needed the break after the last post. I don't think I realized how exhausted I was. I was so tired. Oh, I, I slept for about three days after the new year and I just slept all day, which is not a thing that I normally do. I wasn't sick or anything. I just wake up, eat breakfast, have a nap, wake up, go for a swim, have a nap, <laughs> like a real holiday. Uh, other than, you know, doing a bit of writing for the news quiz, I haven't done much since the beginning of the year. Uh, but I have a project, a long form project that I want to try. And that's an interesting feature of the last post. I'll tell you this before I go. Actually, I'll talk to you a little bit about the last post in a meta way for those of you who are not listeners to the last post for whom that ridiculousness is not necessarily, I'm not going to go into in-jokes here. I want to talk about what it taught me, um, which is first of all, that I can finish things. And that's important to me. I was brought up with artistic family members who never really finished projects. And I know that for my mum, it was a torment not knowing if she was not able to finish things because she was sick or because she was lazy, because other members of the family were not sick and they didn't finish things. And so when I, you know, I went into law, I wanted to prove that I could work if I wanted to. And then I came into the arts and I have this thing to prove. I always feel like I have this thing to prove. I guess that compulsive need to prove something is um, a feature of, of many people in the arts or many people uh, who try to do things. But, you know, that I could finish this enormous project. And although it went halfway through the year from seven days a week to six days a week, uh, that wasn't because I couldn't do it. <laughs> it. So I finished this thing, right? I wrote it and I performed it and it went out and it was solid. Like I, I obviously some episodes were better than other episodes, but it was of a standard for the whole year. And, you know, I've wanted to write a book since I was like 16. I've had ideas for it and I've never been able to address myself to the task because I think I've been afraid not to finish it. So I don't begin because I'm afraid of not finishing. And there's a few things that this made me think about, having achieved whatever it is, 60 hours of the last post and however many hours of Tea with Alice and however many bugles and however many, you know, new bits of stand-up, 60 to 80 hours of comedy creation this year, just going, okay, so what is different about a book or a television show um, or a pilot that I've been asked to write? What is distinct there that I find so daunting, that I find so certain in my mind that I will not be able to complete these tasks so I don't begin them. And it's partly to do with the way my brain works, which is I will respond to a deadline, I will respond to somebody else's need. Sounds so stereotypically girly, but if I want to go for a run, I arrange to meet someone for a run because then I know I'll go for a run. It's very easy to sell yourself short. It's very easy not to keep promises to yourself. It's very easy um, not to... There's more motivation, and I don't think this is a very admirable feature of my character. It's something that I need to work on. 
There is more motivation to be seen to do than to do. Maybe something like that. I will deliver for somebody else in a way that I won't deliver for myself. I will keep promises to other people when I will break promises to myself. And there is a fundamental lack of integrity in there somewhere that troubles me. So what do I do? Here's the question, right? Do I try to hack my own brain? Do I just lean into these qualities? So if I want to complete a large project, I just need to pay someone to ask for a chapter a week or to ask for a scene a a week or to sit down with me and, and I have to have something to show them. Do I lean into that because that's functional effective or do I try and figure out the root of the problem and unpack it there or both at the same time? That's a thing that I've been thinking about going into the new year uh, that has derived from the last post. The other lesson that I have learned uh, from the last post is uh, (laughs) that there are other people out there who are as weird as I am. The the project of doing a an ad for half a glass of water for every episode has taught me that there is no bottom of the well. I think a lot of comedians, certainly when you finish like an Edinburgh or a festival run and then you sit down with the new show, which is to say a blank page, and you think, what am I going to talk about this year? What am I going to write? And you think, oh, no, maybe I don't have anything. Having repeated that little cycle... <laughs> every day with the half a glass of water ad. Um, for those of you who don't listen to the last post, I said that I would write an ad for half a glass of water in the ad section. There's a fake ad section. I just thought it would be interesting to see if I could um, because I'm not really into advertising. And so because we had to run ads to fund the show, I decided to bury the real ads in fake ads that sort of make fun of the whole advertising process and that make fun of capitalism as a whole. Arguably, that is why we had to cut down from seven days a week to six days a week, I don't think. Um, Well, one of the producers didn't like it very much. Anyway, uh, one of the... Never never mind. Uh, The point is, every day sitting down and going, okay, what am I going to say? How do I figure out a new way to sell half a glass of water to people? And at the bottom of the well, no matter how deep you dig, no matter how dry you think it is, there's always half a glass of water. And that's another lesson that the last post taught me. Um, and the other one is that I think... I think I'm proud of myself, which is not a feeling that I have very often. I have have pride, I think. I think I quite like myself, but I'm not often proud of myself. I I usually finish things and think, oh, I could have done that better. I mean, I know I could have done the last post better, but it certainly stripped me of a lot of perfectionism. You know, it's got to be done. It's got to be out. You got to get it done. You got to get it out. Uh, And that was very good. Um, And... I don't think there are many people, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there are many people who could have done what I did with the last post. That is to say, written consistently a new show 
for every day of the week. Obviously, we recorded them, some of them in batches. I wasn't writing and performing every day. I was writing and performing for every day. Um, but that much consistent sort of marathon-like production of something that was pretty solid, I think. I, th- I don't think a lot of people could have done that. On the other hand, I don't know because probably a lot of people wouldn't be bothered doing something like that. Anyway, so I'm proud of myself. And in a year that I think was very hard, in a year where I had to move out unexpectedly, I was only meant to be back in Australia for six weeks and I've been back ever since March of last year now. A lot of things were really hard being away from loved ones in UK, um, not being sure what's going to happen next, not being sure if I would emerge, if I would be able to, you know, make any money this year, if the last post would last, if anything would work, if if the world would collapse into a full-on apocalypse at various points, you know, right, you know, that whether things would be okay, whether my family would be okay, whether civil society would be okay, whether our world would be okay, all of these worries. I think to have created something in a time like that is a a good thing to have done. And so I'm proud of myself. I don't want that to sound like boastfulness. Uh, I've had a lot of luck. I have a lot of advantages that many other people don't have. Um, If you feel like you have not created something last year, that does not make me in any way better than you because I'm not in your circumstances and I'm not in your brain. And I'm proud of, of everyone who managed to get through this year with anything intact. Uh, and I think it's silly to cut it into years because as we've seen in the first week or so of 2021, events keep happening. They don't necessarily recognise neat dates. It'll all be over by Christmas has never been true. Um, but thank you for listening to me. Thank me. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you if you subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, that's an inc- that is the luck I'm talking about. That has allowed me to get through this year and keep doing what I want to do. And it is an astonishing luxury to be able to do interesting things um, in a world like this. And I really appreciate your support there. I've been really enjoying the tea salons. I'm now doing weekly tea salons on my Patreon for people above a certain level level of subscription. I'll try and put more stuff on the Patreon as well this year. Um, do let me know if you are a Patreon subscriber. Do let me know what you would like to see more of or less of from me. If you'd like like a weekly video update or a newsletter type thing or something, just let me know uh, because that's what that is for. That is for me being able to give back to you and bring you in on my processes or if there's anything you'd like to see so that you can be part of it because I really enjoy talking with you as well. Not many comedians get the luxury of talking to people. Many comedians just talk to each other. So for me, it is a great thing to be able to have that um, community, 800 people who are 
um, there for each other and for this project. So very self-indulgent, beginning the new year on just the sappiest note of all. I, I am so happy that you're listening. If you like my work, as always, um, do share it around with friends and family and on social media. All of that makes a very big difference. Uh, if you follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram, that makes a difference in terms of whether I get hired for jobs. Um, so even if you don't use those platforms very much, it's always worth subscribing to the people who you like and want to support. Uh, even if you want to support them but don't necessarily enjoy all of their output if they do something that you don't like on Twitter, if it's all whatever photographs of ants and you have an ant phobia but you love their book, uh, follow them and mute them. I, that is, I, I do think it's important. But the more, you know, having started this podcast talking about the dangers and evils of social media, I'll finish on a little, on a little thing, maybe moralizing parable of some sort that is occurring to me as I speak, which is that like this terrible stuff, this mm, processing of our attention, this programming of us to behave in certain ways, this seizing of our attention is, it doesn't happen without our engagement. For better or worse, we tell them how to treat us in that very cliched relationship advice way. We teach these robots how to treat us. <laughs> we do on an individual level and we may not be able to do that much, but you can alter your own algorithm. Like if you if you want to see more Vin Diesel stuff, click on a bunch of Vin Diesel links. If you want to if you want to see more positivity, just don't read comment sections. Don't reply to trolls. Mute the people who cause trouble. Follow the people who bring joy. Uh, and when you can, do it mathematically because it's us versus these robots, right? Do it in a mathematical way. Every time you see something mean, write two nice things. Say something positive. And that, I think, it might only work incrementally on a macro scale, but in terms of you and your feeling and, and capacity to operate in this world, I think it's a good thing. And tell me if I'm wrong uh, by signing up on my Patreon and joining one of the salons and tell me, telling me that I'm wrong. Uh, that's all. That's all for today. I managed to talk to the wall for a fair amount of time. I, I really don't understand people who can do it. Um, I'm all in awe of people who are capable of, of rambling, and I guess I should try and build up my tolerance for talking to myself. But what can I say? I like people. I mean, I don't like people like en masse. But I, like, I like persons. So, uh, and I like you, I assume, probably. That's it for today. I'll talk to you next week. You're having tea with Alice.
do you know or do you not? This top is mistress that we have got. Elsie Thompson, it is her name, and she helps the doffers at every frame. Loudy rifle doll, loudy rifle day. On Monday morning when she comes in, she hangs her coat on the highest pin. Turns around for to view her frames, crying, damn you doffers, cry up your ends. Loudy rifle doll, loudy rifle day. And when the boss, he looks round the door, tie our ends up, doffers, he will roar. Well, tie our ends up, we surely do, for Elsie Thompson, but not for you. Lally rifle doll, lally rifle day. Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away, is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie our ends up and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again. Lally rifle doll, lally rifle day.